Blog Talk Radio.
You're listening to the Spirit Alive Network, your transformation station. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to every man standing in his place for this Friday, November 11, 2016. Right now, I'd like to introduce you to your host and the speaker of the hour, our beloved brother and friend, Pastor Kevin Parks. Won't you please receive our host? Good evening, sir. Good evening, Pastor Cook. Blessings and blessings and greetings to all of the listening audience. Amen. At this time, we're going to have Pastor Parks open us with a word of prayer, and then he will go right into his lesson on veterans of faith. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Glory, glory, glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we are gathered here this evening, my Father, to, to touch and agree across the airways, my Father. Lord, my Father, we ask that you just touch the listening audience, my Father. Lord, my Father, we just ask that you minister to their hearts, my Father, to open their minds, my Father, that they may comprehend and understand and retain, my Father, to open their eyes that they may see, unstop the ears that they may hear, to give them a heart of flesh and not a callous heart, my Father, to plant their feet on solid ground, my Father. Lord, my Father, that they may want to come to know you, my Father, and give their life to you, my Father, that they may follow you in, in, in faith, my Father, that they may have have the faith of you, my Father, in you and to you, my Father. Lord, my Father, we ask that you let the me decrease and the you increase. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. These things we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For those of you who are first-time listeners to the way I do the program, I always encourage you to have a Bible, um, something to write with and something to write on. Um, And so being, I normally give out uh, quite a bit of scripture that I don't have a lot of time to really dive into and to explain. So, I, I would like for you to jot them down and to later on during the course of the day or the evening or the week, go back and look at those scriptures and, and, and see for yourself um, what I am going to give you this evening. I always say, don't believe me, but believe the word of God, believe the Bible. So if you don't have something to write with to write on, take a few minutes. And get that um, so that you will be ready um, for this evening's session as, as, as well as your Bible. We are coming out of the scripture of Hebrews 11, 1. And it reads thusly, Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now, the Message Bible translation of that same scripture reads thusly. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is 
the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. So if I were to use a topic today, well, the topic has actually been given. It's veterans of faith. And if I were to give you a subtopic, it would be faith without works is dead. Action is required. Now, there are two things we need to look at. Veterans and faith. And speaking of veterans, for all of the veterans out there, at least in the United States, I'd like to wish you all a, a, a wonderful, happy Veterans Day um, as we choose this as a day to honor um, the members in the military. Now, just what is a veteran? And just what is faith? So those are the two things that we're going to concentrate on for this particular session. A veteran is one who has served in the armed forces, especially one who has fought in a war. In order to understand a veteran, we must first know what the soldier is and what it means to be a soldier. A soldier is one who follows a creed or belief system of his or her country. For example, in the United States, their creed is, I am an American soldier. I am a warrior and a member of the United States. I serve the people of the United States and live the Army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined, physically and mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior task and drill. I always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert, and I am a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemy of the United States of America in close combat. I am the guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. This is the creed that the soldiers in the United States take. This is what their belief system is. This is what drives them to do the things that they do for the reasons they do to protect 
and serve the people of the United States. They put their faith and trust in their leaders in order to accomplish and carry out a mission. Now, I do want to read the creed prior to 2003, which is a little different, but it's very similar. And it says also, I am an American soldier. I am a member of the United States Army, a protector of the greatest nation on earth. Because I am proud of the uniform I wear, I will always act in ways credible to the military service and the nation it is sworn to guard. I am proud of my own orientation. I will do all I can to make it the finest unit in the Army. I will be loyal to those under whom I serve. I will do my full part to carry our orders and instructions given to me or my unit. As a soldier, I realize that I am a member of the timed, honored profession, that I am doing my share to keep alive the principles of freedom from which my country stands. No matter what the situation I am in, I will never do anything for pleasure, profit, or personal safety, which will disgrace my uniform, my unit, or my country. I will use every means I have even beyond the line of duty to restrain my army comrades from acting disgraceful to themselves and to the uniform. I will try to make the people of this nation proud of the service I represent, for I am an American soldier. The bottom line of what a soldier is comes down to one who has a belief or faith in the life he or she is walking as it pertains to their country, people, and themselves. It is faith in action. The most important thing is what is the faith of the leadership or rulership of the country? Is it of God or is it of something else? I can't speak for the other countries, but here in the United States, we pledge one nation under God. And our currency says, in God, we trust. We have come to believe it, as God the creator and sustainer of all things seen and unseen that we put our trust and faith in for the direction of our country, people, and ourselves. So let's look at the aspect of faith then. Just what is this thing we call faith? 
place is an action word rather than a person, place, or thing. Faith requires an action, a reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, security, etc. of a person or thing. In other words, confidence. A, pace, a, a person on whom or thing which one relies. God is trust. It is to have confidence Hope things will work out if one only trusts. Now, I guess the question is, what can we trust or have faith in that will exemplify the word itself? Obviously, one can say that we have faith or trust in themselves to accomplish whatever task needs to be completed. Or one can say, I have faith in you in order to give you the extra boost of confidence to accomplish the task at hand. Or one can say, I have faith or trust in God. The most important thing is faith and trust. They are one in the same, synonymous of each other meaning the exact same thing. As faith is an action word of a person or thing in which expectations are centered, it can be simply be defined as a feeling of belief, hope, desire, or trust. With this in mind, let us go back to our scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith... My belief, hope, and trust is the substance, the subject matter of thought, of things hoped for, the feeling that what is wanted can be had of that events will turn out for the best. The evidence or proof of things not seen. So, the first faith father that we can look at biblically is Abraham. However, if we look at Romans four sixteen, Romans four sixteen says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. In other words, this is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and his way, and then simply embracing him and what he does. God's promise arrives as a pure gift. No man on his own can be sure of his salvation. It is a gift from God that your faith brings salvation through the grace of God, the Father. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. 
those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them. For Abraham is father of us all. He is not our racial father. That's reading the story backwards. He is our faith father. And of course, you know, the supreme father, God, as the first person of the Trinity, the creator of everything seen and unseen, the maker of heaven and earth, is our father. Now, when we combine the two words of veterans and faith, we have a soldier who not only believes in the leadership of his or her country, puts his or her belief or faith into action for the protection of its people and ideals under the belief of the rulership of its leaders, whether it is of God or whether it is of an idol. It is usually under the discretion of its leaders as to whom the country will follow, such as the false god of Baal, the Asherah Poles, um, the um, Nahastan, which is the bronze serpent of, Mo- of Moses, and etc., etc. Et as this Veteran Day is celebrated. I thought about the sacrifices of our fallen heroes and of our armed forces. I thought about family traditions and how they play a part in influencing young men and women to enlist into the military. There are many young people who tell of their parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents who serve this country proudly and how that tradition is one of their reasons for enlisting in the services of the military. As I thought about these things, my thoughts turned to the many records of faithful followers of God in the Bible. They humbly obeyed God's calling, which paved the way for our spiritual freedom. One story that we may overlook is the story of Timothy. Paul encourages Timothy to remain a faithful servant. I have been reminded of your service, your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. And that is Second Timothy one five. Paul attributes Timothy's faith to the legacy of his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Both were early Christian believers. Paul shows us that it is because of their influence in Timothy's life that the faith lived in him, making Timothy who he was. We also influence people's lives around us. Sometimes we may not see the result of our influence, and other times it is clear as it is or as it was in Timothy's life. We influence people by the way we live each and every day. 
We influence the people that are closest to us, the most, our family and closest friends. We can be like Timothy's grandmother Lois, in whom Paul says, sincere faith which lives in her. If the faith lives inside of us, we will want to share it with others. As we share it with others, we become influencers in their lives that can help pave the way for them to become spiritually free. We can become veterans of the faith. So, is sincere faith living inside of you? After having the Declaration of Independence read to the troops, General George Washington issued an order July 19, 1776, commanding officers of each regiment are directed to procure chaplains, persons of good character and exemplary lives, to see that all inferior officers and soldiers pay them a suitable respect and attend carefully for religious exercises. The blessing and proclamation of heaven are at all times necessary, but especially so in times of public distress and danger. The general hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier, defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. The peace and safety of his country depends under God, solely on the success of our arms. On May 2nd, 1778, General George Washington issued the order to his troops at Valley Forge. The commander-in-chief directs that divine service be performed every Sunday at 11 o'clock in each brigade with which has a chaplain. Those brigades which have none will attend the places of worship nearest to them. It is expected that the officers of all ranks will, by the attendance, set an example for their men. While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of Patriot, it should be our highest glory to lord the more distinguished character of Christian. On November the 15th, 1862, President Lincoln ordered the discipline and character of the national forces should not suffer nor the cause they defend be imperiled by the proclamation of the day or name of the Most High. At this time of public distress, adopting the words of Washington in 1776, men may find enough to do in the service of God and their country without abolishing or abandoning themselves to vice and immorality. 
Lincoln added the first general order issued by the father of his country after the Declaration of Independence indicates the spirit in which our institutions were founded and should ever be defended. The general hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. President Benjamin Harrison ordered on June 7th, 1889. In November 1882, President Lincoln quoted the words of Washington to sustain his own views and announced in a general order that the president, commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy, desires and enjoys an orderly observance of the Sabbath by the officers and men in the military and naval service. The importance for man and beasts of the prescribed weekly rest, the sacred rights of Christian soldiers and sailors, a becoming difference to the best sentiment of a Christian people, and a due regard to the divine will demanded that Sunday labor in the Army and Navy be reduced to the measure of strict necessity. Now, President Benjamin Harrison added, to recall the kindly and considerate spirit of the orders issued by these great men in their most trying times of our history, and to promote contentment and efficiency, the president directs that Sunday morning's inspections will be merely of the dress and general appearance. Now, President Woodrow Wilson gave the order on January 20, 1918. The president, commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy, following the reverent example of his predecessors, desires and enjoins the orderly observance of the Sabbath by the officers and men in the military and naval services of the United States. The importance for men and beasts of the prescribed weekly rest the sacred rights of the Christian soldier and sailors, a becoming difference to the best sentiment of the Christian people, and a due regard for the divine will demand that Sunday labor in the Army and Navy be reduced to the measure of strict necessity, such as observance of Sunday is dictated by the best traditions, traditions of our people and by the convictions of all who look to divine providences for guidance and protection. And in repeating in this order the language of President Lincoln, the president in confidence that he is speaking alike to the heart and to the consciousness of those under his authority. In 1947, the United States Corps of Cadets required Attendance at chapel is part of a cadet training. No cadet will be exempted. Each cadet will receive religious training in one of the three particular faiths, either Pentecostal, Catholic, or Jewish. In 1949, the United States Naval Academy required all midshipmen, except those on authorized outside church parties, shall attend Sunday services in the chapel. On August 17, 1955, President Dwight Eisenhower 
who had been supreme commander, allied exemplary forces during World War II, authorized the code of conduct for the United States soldiers, which stated, I serve in the forces with guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense if captured. I will not accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. I will never forget I am an American fighting man responsible for my actions and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God and in the United States of America. Now, President Dwight Eisenhower stated on December 24, 1953, lighting the national Christmas tree, George Washington long ago rejected exclusive dependence upon mere materialistic values. In the bitter and critical winter at Valley Forge, when the cause of liberty was so near defeat, his recourse was sincere and earnest prayer. As religious faith is the foundation of free government, so is prayer an indispensable part of that faith. Now, President Dwight Eisenhower broadcast from the White House for the American Legion's Back to God, February 7, 1954. As a former soldier, I am delighted that our veterans are sponsoring a movement to increase our awareness of God in our daily lives. In battle, they learned a great truth, that there were no atheists in the foxholes. They know that in time of test and trial, we instinctively turn to God for new courage. Now, President Dwight Eisenhower <clears throat> Stated at the opening of the White House Conference of Mayors, December 14, 1953, I want to point out something about fighting, about war, the winning of war, the effectiveness of such things is in the heart, in the determination, in the faith. It is in our belief in our country. In our God, everything that goes to make up America. Now, President Dwight Eisenhower, February 20, 1955, stated that the American Legion Back to God program, the founding fathers recognizing God as the author of individual rights, declared that the purpose of government is to secure those rights. But in many lands, the state claims to be the author of human rights. If the states give rights, it can and inevitably will take away those rights. Without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first, the most basic, Expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. Veterans realize, perhaps more clearly than others, the prior place that Almighty God holds in our national life. 
Now, the bottom line is that a nation must have the element of faith from its leadership. Otherwise, the nation will perish. Let's take a look at Gideon. If we turn to Judges 6.12, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Here the Lord is showing us a veteran of the Israelites' army that has faith and is able to put his faith in action with the backing of God. In the next chapter, we find that Gideon tore down the altar of Baal and the accident poles of idol worship, um, bringing about the following of the Israelites unto Gideon. And as a result of this, Gideon was nicknamed Jeroboam, meaning let Baal shameful idol uh, contend against him for tearing down his, his, his statue because he tore down the idol Baal. Now Gideon, with faith in the Lord, was obedient to the Lord in order to defeat his army, the, the, Midian, the, mm, the Midianites, with just a small army. Listen to the account of Gideon in Judges 7, verses 1 through 8. Then Jeroboam, which is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Halak. And the camp of Midian was north of them, by the hills of Moab in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give you to the, the Midianites into their hands. Leave Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearts of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So Gideon had 32,000 men. 22 were fearful. 22,000 were fearful. 10,000 remained. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone who I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall this one shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, anyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, <clears throat> and the number of those who left, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who left, 
I will save you and give you the midnights into your hands, and let all the others go, every man to his home. Now, if we look at Judges 7, verses 17 to 22, and he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and into jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 and the 100 men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set that middle watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke their jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Bethsita, towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel, Mahala, and Tabath. Because Gideon had faith in the Lord, he was able to put his faith into action. But what happens when the soldiers forget the Lord? 1 Samuel 12, 6-11. But they forgot the Lord their God. And he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazar, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baal and the Asherah. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, which is Gideon, and Barak, and Japheth, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. We must always As a soldier in our nation's military, have faith in the Lord. Not just the leadership of the country, but we ourselves must have faith in order to put it into action for the purpose of the Lord and not our own purposes. 
The ruler of the country must always be connected to God to hear the direction of God for his people, that they may worship and serve him as he commanded. We must have faith. So how do we receive faith and grow in it? We live in a society that is virtually devoid of faith. Since most people don't read the Bible, they don't know much about God or believe. They don't even believe he even exists. What about you? Do you lack the faith to believe in God? Having true faith will help you make sense out of the troubling and confusing world you live in. It will give you the confidence you need to move forward with your life despite trials and setbacks. So, okay, so how do I get faith? Growing in faith requires believing in God and maintaining a close relationship with him. You can have this relationship with God through daily prayer, Bible study, and applying what God says in the scriptures in your personal life. Learn more about how to grow in Christian faith by reading the Bible. And start building that close relationship with God today. Many people don't have the faith described in the Bible because they don't know or they do not believe or practice what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's John 14, 15. The Bible tells us salvation is by God's grace, and it is not earned by good works. Least any man should boast. And that's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. But we are saved by grace through faith. The danger we face is that our faith will die if we neglect our salvation by not living a life of obedience to God. And that's in Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. We should pray to God for faith. And we should pray often for it. Luke 18, 1. Living a life of prayer, Bible study, and humble obedience to God clarifies and strengthens our faith. To God be the glory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor, thank you so much for that ream of word. I just love how you know, you just brought it up front, you know, and made it up close and personal. So I just want you to know I praise God for you, and I'm so glad that um, you are always willing to stand and 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 spend your time just, you know, sharing a ream of word from God. 
So I just first of all want to thank you for that word, Veterans of Faith. Thank to God, um, if you are just joining us, uh, our brother gave a wonderful, wonderful uh, message on being Veterans of Faith. Basically, you know, we need to know that we are, um, we may not have been veterans of a branch of the armed forces. We may not have ever served abroad. But we should all be certain we should all be veterans in the service of the Lord. And as my pastor has said, a veteran is one who is just experienced in service. Hallelujah. So I want you to understand tonight that you can be a veteran and never served in armed forces, but you know, you can be a veteran giver, a veteran smiler, a veteran lover, a veteran Anything that you're good at, you can be a veteran at it. And all of us who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we should be veterans in his service. Because as my brother has said, my co-laborer has said, in the Bible, followers of Christ are often described in military terms. We are described as being involved in spiritual warfare. Mm. And again, and again, I am going to resort to the book of Timothy, in Second Timothy, chapter two, verses three through four, followers of Christ are described as soldiers, and we are t- so no matter how long or how brief our service may have been or is, we are veterans in His army. Now, some of us have had a long experience in the service of the Lord. Some of us have come through danger, seen and unseen. We have been through the fire, and we have been through storms. We have been through the howling wind, tossing waves, and deep floods. But now, others of us, we might not have been in the service too long. But my brother came to tell you tonight, you are still a veteran if you have been tested in the service of the Lord. See, what he's trying to get you to understand is when we take up, take a stand for Jesus Christ, then the forces of evil are going to test us and see how strong our stand really is. You need to understand that as Christians, we will be tempted just to see how sincere we are about our life in Christ. The enemy will test us to see if we really won't do the things that we say we no longer do. Or sooner or later, he'll send someone to try to entice you to do something that you said you were never going to do. You don't have to be in the service long, I'm trying to tell you, before experiencing temptation from the evil one. So young or old, much experience or little experience, we are all veterans in the service of the Lord. We are soldiers in his army. Now, Pastor pointed out there is a difference between being a veteran from the armed forces and being a veteran in the service of the Lord. A veteran from some branch of the armed forces is usually... No longer in active service ha! But a veteran in the service of the Lord Will never retire from active duty Well you see thank God When we become soldiers In the army of the Lord We need to understand We are in this battle Until we die mm-hmm. So Pastor said What so you might have asked What is really involved in being a veteran In the service of the Lord Well what Pastor has told us through his story and his example is 
you need to realize you have been chosen and enlisted in the service of God. And you also need to know that God has chosen you. We didn't choose him. He chose us. You know, some of us have the nerve to think we're doing God a favor by choosing to serve him. But God has chosen his followers from the dawn of time. Before the foundation of the world, he has already chosen us, made us acceptable in Christ Jesus. He even tells us that in the book of John. He says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that might be a great mystery of the Christian faith, that God has chosen someone to follow him. Because I know, you know, I know, Brother Pastor, you can, you can testify. We can see many children that are from the same family, and they're raised by the same parents, subject to the same discipline, nurtured in the same Christian faith, brought up in the same church, and some of these kids will go on and become on fire for Jesus, while there's others in that same family that will reject everything that Christ stands for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one may, one may decide to serve the Lord, and yet the others can care less about the church or the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. One may frequently attend church while the other one won't even enter somebody's church if their life depended on it. So mm-hmm. how do we account for this? Well, it's simple. One has been chosen by God's grace, while the other one may not have been chosen, and nor do they want to be. Now, you know, I love the way my brother brought out the things about, uh, you know, really explaining about a veteran, because you know, Brother Pastor, back in the day, they used to have the draft. And, you know, oh, yeah. back then, it seemed like if you was warm and breathing, they would accept you. Mm-hmm. Today, today, you know, the armed forces are more careful about who they accept. You know, they put them all through all kinds of psychological tests and make sure they're really healthy. Now, I want you to know that you must be chosen as the standards are high. Like Pastor said, we have to live to a higher standard. And Everybody is not going to be accepted because of the rigorous screening test that God gives us. Well, what you say? Yeah. Oh, and one more thing. There is another side to being chosen. (laughs) The person must accept accept the call. Oh, yes. See, in order Mm -hmm. to be chosen, Mm -hmm. you have to accept the call. See, mm-hmm. now, remember remember back when uh, President Obama got, you know, got elected and he chose Mr. Emanuel to be the chief, his chief of staff? Well, mm-hmm. Mr. Emanuel still had to accept the call, even though President Obama, you know, even President Obama couldn't force him to take the job. So it is the same with God. God has chosen some of us for service. But those of us who are chosen must accept that call to service. As Christians, we enlist or sign up for service. Even armed forces have an, uh, have an all-volunteer service now. are no more drafts, and no one is being forced into service like those draftees back in the day. Look, let me tell you something. God has never had a draft. Because he won't ever force us to serve him. 
we must volunteer for service. God has an all-volunteer army. We must sign up for service, and then we must report for duty. Now, I know theologically there's a mystery here because somehow God's grace and our free will work together. God must choose us by his grace, but we must accept the call by our free will. Trust and faith, as Pastor has said. And I want you to understand, that's one of those mysteries that we won't ever be solved here on earth. But let me tell you something. Here's the rub. We can't enlist unless we are chosen. But if we are chosen, we must enlist to be in the service. Now, I know some of you may be looking at the ball real crazy right now. And you may be scratching your head right now, but just accept what I say by faith. When we enlist in the service of the Lord, we are telling the world that we have been chosen by God for his service. Now, see, remember, Paul is good about saying, I don't preach myself, but I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know, I don't know about any of you, but I believe, I know I praise God for choosing me. I believe Brother Pastor praises God for choosing him. We both thank him for his amazing grace that saved wretches like us. And we want you to know tonight that we need to praise God for his wonderful, amazing grace that caused us to sign up for the service of King Jesus. You know what? We need to praise him just for the privilege of being able to serve him. And what a mighty God we serve. Oh, and you also need to remember, once chosen, always chosen. God will never go back on his call to us. He will never change his mind. And the second thing that I love that Pastor brought out when as he was preaching and teaching, this is what came to my mind is being a veteran in the service of the Lord is to endure hardship, sacrifice, and suffering as a good soldier of Jesus. Soldiers must be toughened up before they can be of service. They must go through basic training. Just as soldiers are armed and the armed forces go through a boot camp, we have to go through a spiritual boot camp too. And we need to know that it might it's not going to be a picnic. You know, Real soldiers enlist knowing the sacrifice and the hard times that await them. As Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a pastor, suffering hardships, he was told him that suffering hardships can be voluntary or involuntary, which you know something about that, don't you, pastor? (laughs) Voluntary suffering or hardships come as a result of faithfully preaching the gospel. You see, You will suffer persecutions and hardships as you preach the gospel or as you live that Christian life. The world is opposed to the gospel of Jesus and everything it stands for. Whenever you take a stand for Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. Now, if you are a minimal uh, Christian or Sunday's only Christian, uh, you can get by. But uh, just look at what you, you know, but just look at uh, uh, and think about how serious you are for the Lord. You know, you will be called, you need to know that 
when you are a veteran in God's army, you're going to get some names. You're going to be called some names. Uh-huh. You're going to be called things like holy roller, religious fanatic, crazy. Yes, indeed. Hypocritical. Huh. All kinds of things. You're going to be called all kind of stuff. But you see, you got to know and understand as a veteran for in faith that you are being consecrated. You are being set apart from the world. We don't have the luxury as Christians of doing everything that the world does. Like Pastor said, <coughs> excuse me, God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And to be holy means to be set apart, to be separate, Amen. It means the Bible is holy because it is different from all the other books that can be found anywhere. The Temple of Jerusalem was holy because it was different from all the other buildings. Christians are holy through Christ Jesus because we are now different from others. When we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit does a transforming transaction in us that makes us different from other folks. We have the desire and the and the power to live a different life than others. Amen. 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 <laughs> now the problem that some Christians have, and even some churches have, is that <laughs> excuse me, too often the devil is like, hold on, excuse me. I know you don't want me to get this out. Ah, but anyways, I was saying. The problem that some Christians have and even some churches have is we expect Christians, non-Christians, to act like Christians. Things they can't do it. Uh-huh. It's impossible. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Don't you know a person who has not been born again can't act like a Christian? Now. That's right. <laughs> trust and believe. Some of them become real good at pretending at being Christians, but they know they're living a lot. See, real Christians steer clear of immorality, sexual promiscuity, homosexual activity, violence, and corruption. But sinners, those who are not born again, they're merely doing what comes naturally. If they haven't been born again, have no desire or no power to live a Christian life. Catch this, Pastor. So here me and Pastor Park Park come, modeling the Christian life, and what do we get? Do we get okay, Pastor Park, okay, Bishop Cook? Nah, uh -uh, that ain't what we get. We get discriminated against. We get persecuted. We get made fun of. We get ridiculed and we get talked about. Christians will be persecuted just simply for being different. People will resent you because you model all that they aren't. If you are the walking epistle of God, if you are living righteously before others, your life will convict them of just what kind of sinners they are. When you are a veteran for the most high God, you don't have to run around talking about, yeah, yeah, 
I'm a veteran of faith. I'm a veteran of faith. No, your life will show them. Come on, come on. That's right. That you are a veteran of faith. Because, see, when we're transformed, then we are not conformed to the world. Ha. You know, we even expect to suffer for the cause of Christ. You know, involuntary suffering can come upon us without any rhyme or reason. Sometimes things happen to us and we don't have a clue why. Only God understands what's going on in our life. Like my brother and pastor said, Job didn't understand why he had to suffer as he did. Job never did get an answer about the cause of his suffering. He was told that God was sufficient, that God was and is in charge of everything. And that, mm-hmm. my brothers and sisters, was enough for Job. That's enough. Involuntary That's right. suffering, saints, and hardship come upon us without warning. The loss of a beautiful husband, the death of a child, a sudden illness, a loss of a job, the loss of a home, an accident. It can leave us. Sometimes it seems like the harder we serve God, the greater the trials and tribulations that come upon us. You know, we look around us and it seems like those who are living in sin seem to have everything going their way. While we who serve the Lord are traveling these roads, this road of trials and tribulations. We don't know why hardships and trials come to veterans of faith. I guess it's just that, you know, it's just that, like they say, bad things happen to good people. Now, in some translations of Second uh, Timothy, verses 2 and 3, we are told about sharing our suffering. We are told to share in the suffering of fellow Christian soldiers. You mm-hmm. see, we don't serve alone in this Christian army. You cannot understand or feel for others in their suffering unless you have experienced some kind of suffering yourself. Sometimes, God will even have us suffer an affliction so we can help others going through trials and tribulations. When we go through the fire of suffering, when we come on the out, out on the other side, thanks to God, we are going to be stronger because of it. Peter says, after you have suffered a while, huh, you will come out as pure gold. After you have suffered a while, you can help somebody else along the way. After you have suffered a while, you can share the suffering of others. After you have suffered a while, you will know how to have compassion for others. After you have suffered a while, you will understand how to administer grace to others. Hallelujah. After you have suffered a while, you will know how to tell somebody that God's grace. Is sufficient. You will understand that we are all in this army together. Our suffering must be shared. We are connected to each other by the blood of Jesus in this army. When one of us is sad, we are all sad. When one of us is in trouble, then we all are in trouble. When one of us is suffering, we all suffer. When one is going through a hard time, we are all going through a hard time. We are not individuals in this army, but we are connected to each other. Now, this letter written to Timothy, the pastor, this letter was written to Timothy. It was going to go out to other young ministers. Now, you know, they wasn't coming out of seminary. 
or Bible colleges, or they weren't trained in the fundamentals mm-hmm. of right. ministry. Huh. What they did is they had to study the word. They had to learn mm-hmm. how to interpret and expurgate that word in a way that mm-hmm. the people of the day could understand. You know. Oh, see, they wasn't told how to produce good sermons. You know, they didn't have their sermons approved. and They didn't have training in the elements of pastoral care. And even if they did, if they hadn't suffered anything, if they never been through anything, then how can they help somebody else through? We need to understand, thanks to God, we are wounded warriors, wounded healers. Hallelujah. We have been wounded, so we know what it feels like. But we are maybe broken, but all we're saved by the blood and grace of Jesus. That's why Jesus went to the cross. On the cross, he demonstrated the sheer passion or the suffering that we had to go through. So, my brothers and my sisters, the word of God says that after you've suffered a while, after you've been through something, and then you know what suffering is, then you might learn how to recognize when somebody else is suffering in the church. That's how you have that veteran eye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Look, when you have suffered a loss yourself, then you can tell somebody how the Lord brought you through it. We can go back and help somebody along their journey because we've been through it. We've done it. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. We can go back and tell people. See, I believe what's missing in the church today is a lot of pastors want to tell us the word, but they don't want to give us the application. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to make us rep stop and recognize we ain't in this by ourselves. I am a better preacher, a better teacher, and a better shepherd because of the suffering that I have experienced. Thanks to God, a car accident left me with a titanium rod in my leg. And you know what? It only made me more determined to run for Jesus. Surviving cancer only made me more determined to live a life even more abundant than him. Thanks, many of us are suffering as good soldiers for Christ. And even though we are not asked for the suffering, we know that when God brings us out, we will be all the better for it. God may be preparing us to share our sufferings with somebody else. God may be preparing you right now to be a comfort to someone else during their midnight hour of suffering and woe. So I believe that as veterans in Christ, we are supposed to share our suffering, bear one another's burdens in love, not with gossiping, not with, you know, but in love. In love, that's right. We are in this army together. We are bound together. We are called to suffer for the cause of Christ. Hallelujah. And after we've suffered a while, we'll be able to reach out 
and help a soul who is hungry. After we have suffered a while, we can touch a spirit in despair. After we have suffered a while, we can touch that woman or that man that is lonely. After we have suffered a while, we can help others that need us. After we have suffered a while, we can reach a friend who is weary, praying and helping them along the journey of life. And saints, we can't despise our suffering. God has a purpose for us in the midst of our suffering. All things do work for good according to the purpose of God. Suffering is redemption. Something good can come out of your suffering. Suffer a little longer until you discover what God is trying to teach you. We are in this army together. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like that above. We share our mutual woes in the army of the Lord, our mutual burdens we bear. And often for each other, we we overflow with sympathy. God's soldiers help one another along the way. We don't leave a man behind. Christian soldiers, we are to keep our minds stayed on the gospel. We cannot become mm-hmm. entangled with the concerns <laughs> of civilian life. Our minds need to be focused on the job at hand. Our goal should be the best soldiers that we can be. We are determined to give our best to the master. We should be determined to fight the good fight with all of our might. We are determined to keep the charge we have been given, and we're preparing our souls for the sky. We are determined yeah. to stay on the battlefield of the Lord. We put on the whole armor of God as we surrender all to Christ Jesus. We will let anything and anyone we won't let anything or anyone get between our souls and the master. As soldiers, we are dedicated to walking the pathway of duty, living in the way that God can use us each and every day. We are determined mm-hmm. to rise in the arms of faith so we may be drawn closer to God. Christian soldiers are determined to keep on learning, leaning on Jesus, allowing him to plant their feet on higher ground. Christian soldiers lift Jesus up by living as Christians need to be living. How about you? My brother, really preacher, awesome message. Are you a veteran in the service of the Lord? Are you a veteran of faith? Listen, I don't know about you. But I'm a veteran in the army of the Lord. And in the words of the late James Cleveland, I don't feel no way's time. Yes, I've uh, come too right. far from where I started from. And yes, nobody yes. told me that the road would be easy. Yes, but yes. I don't believe that my God has brought me this far to leave me. I yes. signed up in his army by deciding to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. There is no turning back. Are you a good soldier for the Lord? Are you a veteran of faith? Is Jesus satisfied with your service in his army? We talk, often talk about how Jesus satisfies that. But do we satisfy Jesus? Is he satisfied mm. with us? Is Jesus pleased with our service in his army? I know me and Pastor Paul want Jesus to be pleased with our service. I want Jesus to be pleased with me. You know, as I close, I want us to be able to say, all of us, 
when I've given to him the best of our service, when we told the world that the Savior has come, we won't be dismayed when folks don't believe us. For our God will understand all about it and he'll say, well done. Oh, when we come to the end of our journey, weary of life, and the battle is won, carrying the staff and the cross of redemption, we will stand before our Father. He'll know our name, and he will say, well done. Hallelujah. This has been Pastor Kevin Parks. Bishop Shalene Cook For every man standing in his place Right now if there's anyone In our studio that has a comment Or question we will Open the lines to you So you can share your testimony Or just uh, encourage The man of God I need for you to know that Pastor Parks will be Our main host for every man Standing in his place He has been doing a phenomenal job bringing us a ream of word each and every time he comes to us and speaks. So I just praise God, and what I'm going to do is turn the program back over to Pastor Parks. I want to thank you, Pastor Parks, for allowing me to come and bring my review. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If there's anyone um, at this time that uh, would like to uh, come to know who Christ is. Christ was the ultimate soldier, the ultimate veteran. He took on all of the the, the, the sins and anything and everything you can imagine upon his shoulders for us so that we would have the opportunity to be able to live with God. So if there's anyone who would like to to come to the Father, to come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord, we we ask that you open their hearts, my Father, to you. We say that if you open their hearts to you, that you will come in and sup with them. Lord, my Father, we ask that you be made manifest in their hearts, in their minds, and in their lives. Lord, my Father, we ask that they want to come to know you, my Father, that they pick up your word and understand you, come to know about you, come to learn about you, come to understand you. Oh, God, my Father, dear Lord, my Heavenly Father. If there's anyone that needs a little prayer, prayer just, to, just to make it through, Lord, my Father, we just ask that you just cover them with your blood, my Father. Cover them with your blood, my Father, for you are the creator, the master, yes. the sustainer, the great overfitter, the great I am that I yes. am, the creator of things seen and unseen. Lord, yes. my Father, we just ask that you just touch them, that you cover them, my Father. Lord, my Father, yes. let them know that they are not alone, my Father. Yes. Lord, my Father, on this special day, my Father, we ask that you just bless all of the veterans, my Father, and all of the sacrifices yes, Lord that they God. have made. Thank you, Jesus. The limbs and life, my Father, that they have lost, my Father. And, Lord, my Father, there's this distress and, and, and that they have gone through, you know, on, on the battlefield, my Father. Lord, my Father, we yes, ask you Lord. Bless them, my Father. 
take them and 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 and, and just wrap them in your arms, my Father. Yes, Let Father. them know, my Father, that they are not alone; that you are with them. Lord, my Father, we just we just pray for the sick, the shitter, the convalescent, yeah, the incarcerated. Yeah. The mentally ill and challenged, the ill repute of societies, my father. Oh, God, the homeless. Oh, God, my father. Let them know that you are there for them and you will supply all of their needs. Yes, all Father they need God. All you need to do is just turn to you, my father, and accept yes, you, my father, as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. Get on their knees, my father. Get on their knees and then confess with their mouth, my father. And believe in all your right hearts, minds, and bodies, and souls, my father. Father, that yes. you are God all by yourself, and there is yes, no other God. Oh, God, my Father, let we thank us you. do so before we are all forced to do so, my Father. Let us do so willingly, my Father. Yes, oh, God, Lord. my Father, that we may live life and live life more abundantly than you, my Father. Oh, dear Lord, my Father, these things we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen, and to God be the glory. My brothers and sisters, you have been listening to the mighty man of God, God's humble servant, Pastor Kevin Parks. Once again, I would like to thank Pastor Parks for his rim of word and for just simply allowing me the privilege of standing with him. I may be the bishop of this network, but I still am always so blessed uh, just to be able to serve you in any capacity. So I praise God for you. I pray that God will continue to pour into you, man of God, simply increase your territory. And I'm looking forward to many more programs uh, with you as the host. And we will, and you know, and we will just see uh, what God will do in uh, sending more men of God. And our brothers will be returning from time to time. But we just want to, we just want you to welcome your main host of every man standing up in his place, uh, Pastor Kevin Park. Amen. God be the glory. Hallelujah. You have been listening to your Spirit Alive Network, your transformation station, and we pray that you continue to walk with us throughout the week. Tomorrow, please join Evangelist Michelle Knowles for Stories of the Bible. She um, airs at 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Hallelujah. Then on Mondays, you can always join me for taking it to the streets. I am coming out of hiatus. So this Monday, I will be joined by Evangelist Dion Carter. She will be joining us and bringing us the Hallelujah Word. And then we have Takeover Tuesdays with Pastor Car, uh, Pastor, excuse me, uh, Pastor Lester Carver. You can hear him at two times on Tuesday. You can hear him for Tuesday teachings at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can hear him for Taxes of the Devil or Tell It Tuesdays at 11 o'clock p.m. On Wednesdays, you can join us for Faith the Faith Cafe with Evangelist Joyce Carpenter and also Prayer Changes Things with um, Evangelist Janie, Janie Branch. So on behalf of myself and Pastor Parks, we just want to say Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans. Thank you for your service. And we also want to say to all um, the veterans in Christ, hallelujah, we praise God for you and continue oh, to let your life shine. So let the, uh, so right now, may the peace of God rest, rule, and abide in us until we speak to you again. Go in peace. God bless you. Now, from all of us from the Spirit Alive Network, it is our prayer that you acknowledge Christ in all that you do. 
and be ye transformed. Thank you so much, Pastor God. We love you. God Thank bless you. you. God be the glory. Hallelujah. To God be the glory, sir. God bless you. Good night. Good night.